Eager Raven returns to Kickstarter in its first trade paperback collecting issues 1 through 4 in one full color volume. Eager Raven, heir of the first unicorn, is the story of a unicorn princess exiled into the mortal realm after she is betrayed by her elf prince husband-to-be, dragons overtake her kingdom, and how she trains to become a knight with the help of an unusual trio of blacksmiths. It's a mature audience telling of the classic hero's journey with a soap opera twist. So check out Eager Raven, heir of the first unicorn, volume one today. What's up, George? What's going on in the house of Chris tonight? In the House of Crease tonight, from the mind of Mr. Jeff Z Zanilati comes Accidental Renegades on Kickstarter. We're going to be talking to him, and we're going to be talking about the worth of comic books. Coming up next. Coming up next. Let's get it. <laughs> Show for independence all around, giving you a platform to spread your word all over town. Cast the craze is the place to promote to your fans with the dream of Medina and Sam the Crazy Man. Subscribe to our show and never miss an episode. It's time to get your mans, listen to us on the go. Updated every week, we never miss a day. Join the squad, come on in. It's time to cast the craze. If you are an independent, cast the craze. Making moves on your own, cast the craze. On your grind in the streets, cast the craze. Join the movement, catch the craze! Yeah, George, we did it again. Come on now, now you wanna do it. Catch the craze. Welcome to Catch the Crazy Podcast. I'm your host with the most Sam the Crazy Man Vera. And I am with George the Dreamer Medina. What's happening, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Catch the Craze. It is September 9th. September 9th. We're in September, Sam. It is September 9th. And we have a great show for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking to another indie creator who has a book right now currently on Kickstarter. He also has a, a really dope website, writes some really cool books. We're going to be talking to him. And we're also going to be talking about, you know, just a topic for the day, get your meds. We're going to have one today, as we always do. And I'll be, obviously give you some indie news. So if you like that kind of stuff, and if you've been with us and you have friends who maybe don't know about us, tell them and then tell them to come, subscribe, like, comment, and do all those fun things. To get involved and get us on the road to a thousand, man, one road to a thousand. Try to get us there ASAP. Oof. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's a long it's a road. It's a struggle. It's a long road. It's a struggle. And when happens. you're all alone. Oh, Where's that from? Sing it, Sam. Sing it. Where's that from? Rambo. First blood. Oh, okay. It's funny. Rambo, first blood. There's so much about that movie, and you remember that tune right there. That's I, I remember music. I, I, you know, uh, everything music, reminds me of music, bro. Okay. Um, all right. All right. Um, are you a lyrics? Are you a lyrics person, or are you a more of a melody guy? Like when you listen to music, are you listening to it for the the beat and the music, or the lyrics of the song? Uh, the words. Yeah, I'm a lyric guy. I'm it's, a story guy. Yeah. No, I love. I like, and I'll tell you this. And the older I get, the more I appreciate country music. The older yeah! I get, the more I appreciate country music. And it's because country music, and maybe not the newer stuff, maybe so, I don't know, I, I haven't listened to it. But 
I feel like that's some storytelling. That, that, that There's some pain in that music. There is some meaning in that music. It's almost like what happens in Spanish music in bachata. Bachata has that, that cut your veins because she left you kind of lyrics. You know what, what I mean? What I appreciate about the genre country music, it has not been tainted by generations. Mm. It still stood true to old-fashioned storytelling. You know, songs tell stories where um, hip-hop has been affected by generations. It went from just rhyming storytelling, then it became about violence, and then it became about girls, and then it became about shooting. You know, so it changed. Um, R&B just, R&B just disappeared. R&B, bro. R&B, I don't recognize R&B. I don't recognize it anymore. Just R&B is it. take off your clothes and let yes. me get in there. Yes. Like, there's no, there's no romantic, there was no romanticism no, to that, to that music anymore, like, bro. No. None of it. None of it. That's straight I mean, up. Remember when, um, was it, when, uh, like, Jodeci, um, do you believe in love and the problems that it gives? Uh, I mean, love you for life. I mean, I mean love you, Jodeci, you know what's funny? Okay, so I was listening to this song the other day, and we're talking about old school R and B Cisco. Now Cisco had the oh. thong song. Cisco had the thong Baby! song. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so it's not it's not all you know lovey dovey back in the nineties. Let's no. not get it. Let's not you, get had, you had the Lucy Goose. But, but Cisco also had a song, and I oh man, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's one of the most beautifully written romantic songs. Like ever, bro. Like, and I gotta find it. I'm gonna find it before the end of the show. But what like, what happened to his career, Cisco? Because uh, one moment he was on top, and the mo- next moment he was gone. Like, yes. he, like, like whitewashed. It was just like you never even know he existed. Yeah, Cisco. Yeah, no, man. I think his claim to fame was that song, incomplete, incomplete. That's the song that I'm talking about. So he's got the thong song, <laughs> and then he's got a song it called Incomplete. Bro. I remember and when like, Shy came out. Yeah. Yo, that song, man, when it came out, all the girls like, ah, oh, that, that was melting. Yeah. 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 You had a girl come over to your house, you play that song, punk. Med tape cassette. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're, you're a predator, bro. I can't even talk to you right now. Yeah, the lyrics to this song, bright lights, fancy restaurants, everything in the world that a man could want. I got a bank account bigger than the law should allow. Still, I'm lonely now without you. My man was talking some stuff. Right. He's incomplete. My man's got all the money in the world. now. Wait until tonight. Wait until tonight, (laughs) girl. I'll be lonely. All right. Okay. Yes, I will. We're going to move on. Wait until tonight. We're going to move on from this topic. I will say, I will say, one of my favorite, and do you like country music? Yeah. One of my favorite country music songs of all time, again. of all time, all time, mm-hmm. right? All time favorite country music song, The Gambler. Kenny Lady? Rogers. Oh, The Gambler? Lady? Kenny okay. Rogers. Uh-huh. The Gambler. That's my favorite all time country music song of all. Like if you, the lyrics to that to that song are off the hook, off the hook. I love it. I, I like, like Lady. Picture. Who do you like? Kenny like? Rogers. Lady. That's your favorite? Lady. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm your knight in shining armor. <laughs> And I love you. You don't remember that? Oh, man. I remember the song. Oh, man. That would, be, that would be, you say that to a girl, she's in love with you forever. Oh, okay. It's over, you know? 
I'm a helpless romantic. You yeah, know, yeah, one yeah, of the yeah, things, yeah, one of the things that a lot of girls yeah. my age when I was growing up did not appreciate about me was that I was a romantic. Mm. Right? You're, and, you're a punk. You're, a punk. you're a punk. I had to date up. I had to date older girls because they appreciated the romantical side of me. The but the, the girls my age were were they didn't understand it. They were like, "Oh, why are you so corny?" And uh, <laughs> you're a cornball, bro. You're a cornball. Do what your other friends are doing. Call us names. I know, right? It's like, it's like smack me. Smack <laughs> me. Wow, damn, dog. I'm telling you, we get a little, we get a little darker side of Sam's world back in the day. Crazy, yo, it's crazy because you know, I, oh, man. I, you know, my mom taught me. You know, open the doors, buy flowers, you know, candy, whatever. You pay the bill, all these things. And these girls are like, yeah, yeah, you're whack. I'm like, what? They like the guy, they like the roughnecks. Gotta who? Gotta have a what? They gotta have a roughneck, kid. That's what the music was telling them. That's what the it was music. crazy. What about Dina Howard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Freak. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was that kind of party. Uh, but I digress. Anyway, Sam, let, what, what do we tell? One, two, the Yes. Boom, boom. <laughs> oh, wow. Why are we going to end the news? Oh, I can't even find it in the news. <laughs> yeah, but it's... Oh, oh. Oh. The fist bump, the fist bump though. That, that was that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Woo! Sam, August. I mean, sometimes I'm sorry, September 9th. Aside from football season started this Sunday, mm-hmm. it already started last night. But what else is happening in September? I'm, currently, I'm currently at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm at two places at one. I hope you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> but what's going on? What's going on in September this, this month of September? Talk to us. September. Oh, we launching this alien in my toilet. That's, that's right. That's right, duty. Duty's coming. Book number three. Have you signed up? You know, as of this recording, which is two weeks behind, we're at 85 signups. We're trying to get to 100. Have you signed up for what's going to be the funniest adventure of the fall? And uh, this is a double feature. If you sign up and you let me know you signed up, you'll get this free digital print of Duty's Monsters on Planet Cthulhu. This is a, a PDF download. All you have to do is just say, Sam, I just signed up. Send me your email and I'll send it to you. Now, if you do that and then you come and you back the campaign when we launch, you'll get that physical print as well, as long as you back that at a physical level. And this ties into Duty's Monsters on Planet Cthulhu. It is going to be an outrageous uh, story, 24 pages. It's a mini series. So this is part one. It's a part one. I could not fit it all into one book. So it's part one of the series, probably part one of three. It's a three part mini series. And uh, and uh, it's going to be crazy. You know, Duty hears about this mythical creature that's, um, you know, where his soldiers from Uranus have disappeared at the Outer Rim. And so he wants to go and try to find them, even though he's just a teenager and he should not be doing this. But uh, he goes off anyway. So and then he's going to need some help. So uh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. I hope that you come and join me for the ride. We launch on the 20th of September right here on Cast the Craze podcast. And if you join and everybody who backs during the live campaign, your names will go into a raffle. We're going to have some really cool prizes, really cool prizes. So you want to be here for the live campaign, the live launch. It's going to be fun. Yeah, no, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Issue number three of this, and then my toilet is coming. Make sure you sign up. You have 11 days before it launches. 
Um, so yeah, that's going to be a good time, bro. It's going to be fun. We're going to be here 7.30 p.m. It launches at 8. So you'll have yeah. a nice little 30-minute warm-up before the actual lunch, uh, lunch, launch of the campaign. And yeah. uh, we're going to be doing it up. We're going to be doing it big time, big time. Bigly. Um, we're going to do bigly. Bigly. <laughs> bigly. But um, yeah, man. Also, don't forget, The Adventures of Water Duck is available on my website at Get Your Man. I don't want to hear. Where's the mic? I'm going to mute the mic because I still haven't received my stuff. Don't worry about this it. This is preposterous. You got your stuff. How do you yeah. get yours before I get mine? Because you know what, there was a little, there was a little wrinkle added. And, uh-huh. and please don't interrupt while I'm trying to promote my stuff. <laughs> I don't interrupt. interrupt. I am I not interrupting. Customer. I'll start interrupting your little monologue. <laughs> please stop interrupting mine. I appreciate. it. We'll co- talk about it after. Public relations. After. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it right after I do this. Please check out the website at getyourmedsw.com. Check out. I have some new, um, some new designs for T-shirts on there. I also have obviously the books. Ross 5377, The Adventures of Wonder Duck is on there. The graphic novel, the full graphic novel. So check that out. I have uh, just updates as to where I'm going to be for the rest of the year and next year. And I also have uh, some videos up there. So a lot of cool stuff. Check out the website. Uh, as far as you, sir. So the little wrinkle was that little, uh, you know, item that Hector gave me to send to me. And I, would want, I don't want it to get damaged. So I'm trying to, I'm waiting on this. Um, whatever thing that I got that I ordered and it's coming. As soon as it gets you, I'll send it out to you. Yeah, unless you, unless you want me to just send it out just like that. Special, is that what it is? What happened? Should I make me feel special? Is that what it is? Should I make bro, me blush? Bro, let me tell you something. Do you care? That piece. That <laughs> piece fantastic. is so dope. It is. I would hate for it to get damaged if I just threw it in like a regular package. So I'm like, yo, when is this still like, what, what is that thing called? You know, those little, those little hard 8 by 10, not 8 by 10, 11 by 17. You know, you put yeah, the little board. It's not a board though. It's like a see-through thing. So I'm waiting for that to come. Oh, in. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as that comes in, boom, I'll send it out. So stop giving me a hard time for taking care of your stuff. <laughs> I should have just sent it. I should have just you can fold it up, fold it in half, it's fold like, it inside the thing, like, stuffed it. And it's send like it out. Johnny stalking me, say, "Yo, where's my stuff?" I said, "I sent your stuff, man. Leave me alone." Damn, <laughs> what is this, what is this all about? This, this, this animosity, animosity. Trying it's to help crazy. people out, but uh, but yeah, no nah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good uh, a good end of the year next year. There's a lot a lot of stuff planned uh, for everybody coming from from you and myself, so that's gonna be fun. And, yeah, um, and then in October I'll be at the uh, Fan Expo. That's and, right, um, that's right. You got more shows coming up, and, uh, and then I'll be at the um, Cowtown Comic Con. So I have yeah. two more events for this year. Um, we'll see if I do um, RetroCon. I'm not sure just yet. Um, because this weekend at the time of this recording this weekend, I'll be doing the Denton comic art expo. All depends on how successful that is. Will depend if, if I book, um, the uh, retro con, uh, yeah. which Arellis shout out to Arellis, um, uh, who's been, uh, um, really late. <laughs> she's been like my public relations. She's like, yeah, you need to do this. You need yeah, to do that. Her, yeah, she's legit. She's legit. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, shout out to your relatives. She showed up and showed love at the at the uh, Arlington Comic Fest, which is pretty dope. Yeah, no, that's good stuff, bro. So yeah, so make sure that uh, you stay subscribed to the channel so you can get updates on everything that's going on with us here on Catch the Craze and with all of our independent titles that we have yeah. right now out there. So big shout out to everybody who supported us already. Big shout out to the uh, to the uh, the uh, oof, to Daphne Lage. Who sponsor of this episode? Sponsor of the episode. 
make yeah. sure that you check out her stuff. I know, is that is her campaign still going? Her campaign's on fire. Um, you know, so here's a word of of, of, of advice for everybody out there. Daphne Lades, whenever she sponsors Catch the Craze during her live launch, during her launch for her campaign, she usually buys a month spot. She does extremely well on her campaigns, extremely well because it's running on our platform on all audio platforms. It's on, on all our social media. So you're getting a lot of advertisement for a little bit of money. And, uh, you know, so she's figured it out and we have another sponsor. So we're going to play that sponsor, um, right after get your meds, but I think I'm feeling a little, uh, wheezy right now. I I am as well. I'm just trying to see when her campaign is going through just to get people in for the information. Yeah. So it ends September 23rd. Yes. So you guys still have a chance. Eagle Raven Air of the First Unicorn Volume One Trade and Prequel. September minutes. Yeah, September 23rd. As of this recording, she's at 61 backers. I'm sure by the time this airs, she'll probably have double that. So, but uh, yes, yeah, Sam, let, let's let's yeah, let's let's get those meds, man. It's time for your medicine. A comic's worth. Yeah, hmm. you've heard of a woman's worth. What's a comic's worth, Sam? What is a comic's worth? Now, it's a man's it's world. world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, yeah, so, so basically the idea for this, for this topic, and I got to give credit to Eric Rodman, um, I, I, I'm sorry, Eric, I, I don't remember the name of your book, but he was on a show. He's a creator. He's, a, he's an indie, indie creator. And the discussion about artwork and what you should be, you know, charging for it, say on a campaign, for example, you know, why, why are comics $10 on a campaign versus $5 at a show, you know, and who says they should be $5? Who says they should be $10? Original art could go for a hundred bucks. Who says they should go? That should go for a hundred dollars. But I think people are willing to pay more money when something is original. When something is one of a kind, right? Unless you're doing NFTs, but when it's it's physical, something physical that only one person can have, people are willing to pay a lot of money for that. Should comics, comic book floppies, whatever you want to call those, single issues, should those also go under the realm of one of a kind pieces of art that could cost more than just a five dollar comic that's being mass produced by, say, a Marvel or a DC? Do they have are they worth more money or should they be worth more money because they are one of a kind? What do you um, think? See, it's, it's a tough because there was an indie creator at the all in 10 comic fest who asked me how much I was selling my books for. Right. And I said, I was, I, you know, I was like, you know, I was selling for $5, right. For, for the standard cover and $10 for the variance. And I was like, and like, Oh, because people were giving me this, you know, third eye because i said 15 dollars when they comic so they 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 priced their comic book at 15 bucks Ooh, they their, their comic book was priced 15 yeah 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 Ooh, wow okay yeah so, yeah so okay. they were going in right yeah. so i was like my homage cover was 20 bucks right but that was limited to 100 with numbered certificate of authenticity oh, those are rare there's only gonna be 100 of them so you get them you got them and so people were paying would you know when I would say this is five dollars and go what but I like that cover I said well that's and I showed them the certificate it's like this is numbered blah blah they go I want that one right. right so people will make the so I always say the consumer will decide the value we want to price ourselves 
in a, in a, in a situation where we're competitive, but when you're not, see, there are indies are a dime a dozen, right? And that's where I, you know, so when I'm listening to to this topic, that's where the challenge is. There's so many that they'll produce a first issue, and then you won't see anything else from that point on. So, in the eyes of the consumer. Is it worth my time or investment that no one's ever going to know this? He probably sells, uh, you know, in his lifetime, a thousand of that one issue across multiple shows online or whatever. And is it ever going to mean anything in that person's eyes? What gives it credibility and adds to the value is when it's endorsed by a big news agency, a big reputable, you know, outlets or whatever, or a creator. That's when it changes the the game for you. I think when you when you don't have any of those things, it's hard. When it comes to original art, I say you price it the way you feel you should price it, um, uh, and uh, don't look back. And uh, you know, and if people, you know, bark at that or shrug their shoulders at that price, they don't understand. So the way I look at it, here's how I price my work. I say if I was working. Say I was making $20 an hour, $25 an hour, right? How many hours did it take me to just create this? So if it took me four hours to do this piece, then how much did it cost me for the supplies, right? How much did it cost me for that, that artboard? Or if it's a canvas, it's a paint, all those things. And that's how I come up with my price, right, for the piece. So I think everyone has a different method or different formula, but that's what I look at it to justify um, why I'm pricing it that way. I think, and you said that that the customer kind of sets the price, right? It's what they're willing to pay. In other words, like at right. a convention, what they're willing to pay. But, and, and I'll, I'll play devil's advocate just for a second here. So you're selling your your comic book, the one that has a certificate of authenticity for $20, right? If at that show, people were not going to pay $20 and they were like, listen, I'll give you 15 would you have dropped your price to 15 to make the sale? Because that's what they did, dictated it was going to be worth to them, $15. No, no. In fact, I, I had, that. I had, I had a young lady say, I only have $15. I was like, well, you can buy this. Exactly. So not it doesn't always work that way. People don't necessarily dictate how much that you're going to charge for your books. They don't. No, they have to it's, dictate how much they're willing to pay for it. Yeah, but if they're not willing to pay $20, you're not going to change your price. So right. I'm saying... That comic book to you is worth $20. To them, it may not be, but to you, it's worth $20. Right. So it, whether or not they're, they're willing to pay that amount less than, it doesn't matter to you because the worth, what that comic book is worth to you is 20 bucks. And that's not going to change. Not at any convention, not ever. So, you know what I mean? So I think that we all put a worth on our comics. Now, listen, truth be told, did it cost you any more money to make to produce that comic, than to produce the five dollar comic. The one was yes, it did. Okay, how, how much more? You had to pay for the certificate printing, all that. Stuff. Okay. So you, you add all, all right. those things into it. So you add that. It's still not going to be a fifteen dollar difference, is what I'm trying to say. Like right. it's it's never. And, and listen, this is and this isn't like oh rocket science. But I, the and, way and, I create it is to the effort involved, the effort oh, of having to create a different no, no. interior, number them. Nah, the, the difference, the difference between the two is the certificate, is the fact that it is going to only be printed a certain amount of times. Right. That's the difference. Right. The value of that comic is that it's going to be rare. 
Right. I may, you may print the five dollar comic for another thousand, two thousand, three thousand times, but that one right there, the twenty dollar one, only a hundred, and that's it, never again. And that's the value of that comic. Now, what's inside of it? How, what kind of ba- the bells and whistles? It's the fact that it's only a hundred. It's the limited edition of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we when we look at the worth of a comic book, yeah, sometimes people say, yeah, but dude, that doesn't cost you that much money to make. Of course it does. Of course it does. Because think about it, right? Marvel. Marvel will charge you $3.99 for a comic book, right? Yeah, they got to pay their, their artists, they got to pay their writer, they got to pay whatever. When, once that book goes into production, though, dude, the ads that they put in that, in that book are probably like $10,000 per page for an ad. That, that pays for one print run of that thing. And they're done. Everything else is pocket money for them, right? So mm-hmm. they can charge $3.99 and they can charge you nothing and still make money on that, on that mm-hmm. book. We don't have that luxury. We don't. You do everything on your book. Right, you pen, you 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 pencil it, ink, let color. That's work that nobody's paying you for. So why shouldn't you price a book at twenty bucks and, and be comfortable and say, here, this this book is twenty dollars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's your time, it's your blood, sweat, and tears. Literally, blood, sweat, and tears. You're printing a limited amount of these things because you're not going to have. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to go out there and print and print that a, a twenty dollars single issue of a book, which is why I don't do single issues because to me, it's not worth it. For me, the worth for me, it's it's worth doing a graphic novel for me because everything is in one graphic novel. It's right. it, it's a little less to print, it, all that stuff. So for me, I can I can price it to a point where I can still make money back for it, and you don't feel as the consumer like you're getting ripped off for something. Which some people may feel that way. But what I'm trying to say to people when they go into a convention and they try it and they buy a book and they see a book that's ten dollars, twenty dollars, when the regular comic book is a certain amount of money, it's because it's being produced by the person sitting behind that table. You have a one-on-one with that creator that, yo, dude, if this thing blows up, yeah, $20 book today. And like you said, it, that's what gives, that. that's another thing that raises its value, right? Is like you said, the sponsorships or whatever, how far- The endorsement, you know, when, you, when, yeah. when you're, unfortunately right. in, in, in society and in the world, in the business world, um, recognition and notoriety is gained when a reputable organization says i see you right so you get featured on newsarama back in the days it used to be wizard magazine you know you get you know you get you know written up on an article or you get put on national tv whatever it is it's when 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 it when it that's when it peaks that's when your value triples right so now all those people that turned away and weren't interested in your work all of a sudden are now interested because now it's becoming the trend right you know yeah, you know, you're right. And, and I think I think what, what makes it tough, what makes pricing our comics a little higher is that they're for kids. And when a parent goes out to buy a comic book yes. and they know their kid is going to get their hands on it, they're going to destroy that book. Yep. So the value of it automatically is going to go down. So they don't want to spend $20 on a book that their kid is going to destroy. They'll spend the $5. Dude, and even that's I, tough. If I know? understood the importance of buying two, um, oh, you know, because I can tell you when I was a kid, I had so many comics that I didn't have the covers on anymore. <laughs> yeah. You're savages. You're the savages of books, bro. You fold them in half, put them yeah, in your back, in back pocket. pocket. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wrap for books. It's over for books. Yeah. It's over. But, but you know what? But I, I mean, I'll say this just in, in to keep in line with what we're talking about. The wor- a comic's worth to me, an, indie- an independence comic's worth, I think. It's worth more than 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 what you would get from a Marvel in DC, and I'm not just saying that because I'm an indie, but 
because we just it, it means a lot more to us dude it means a lot more to us when we put that book together you, you guys just got to remember that it means a lot when it comes from an indie because that indie put a lot of work into that thing yeah. you know and and so and so i'm not saying we're going to go out there and price and price comics at 10 20 but i'm saying if you if you run across somebody people watching if you run across an indie who's selling a book for that amount of money you know hey sometimes you got to price it that much because you know they, it means that much to them you know exactly so, exactly you know. that's why i give a i try to give a, a fair balance um when you come to my table so you know it's like standard covers always going to be five bucks but if you, yeah. have, you want variants they're going to be priced higher because it costs a lot more to print these things well, yeah yeah because you know? they'll become the collector's items Right, yes. your yes. kid's not gonna get your hands on it. it that's right. not for the. That's probably for the collector in you. That's right. not for the kid. The kid can get the five dollar one because he's gonna destroy it. And I understand that. That's why that's being that. that that's what's gonna happen to that comic. But the like you said, the variants. Those are collector's items. Those yep. those are gonna be worth a little more money. Yeah. So if you yeah, have sure. a comment, yeah, leave it. If you have a, any feedback <clears throat> on this, leave a comment below. Let us know what you think. Um. So. I see that we have our guest in the waiting room. So what we're going to do is we run to commercial break from one of our sponsors. And this is Tech the Gods. And when we come back, we will be talking to our guest. So let's, there it is. Let's hit Tech the Gods. What's up, Jeff? Welcome to Catch the Craze Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Big fan of the show. Oh, hey, thank Jeff. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. How you doing? Oh, thank you. Good, good. Yeah. That's everything. Good, man. You got a nice little tan, bro. You've been out in the beach in uh, Jones Beach out there in Long Island? You what? know what? It might it might just be the lighting here. I've been stuck at a drawing <laughs> table for weeks now. I have, I've seen the sun very little. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you thanks. so much for coming on. Appreciate we are it. talking with Jeff Zanilati, right? All yep. right. Cool. Zed Comics Original. Um, you have you have a campaign right now that you launched. I think it's it's a pretty long one, right? You you have a pretty long campaign. Yeah, it was my first crowdfunding campaign, so I put it on the max uh, max amount. Lesson learned on that one is I'm not going to do that again on the second one. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a discovery learning type of guy, so I need to go through the first week or so and figure out how to hit my stride. Now that I've kind of figured it out, the next one will be much much manageable. Awesome, brother. Awesome. Yeah, no, I was looking through your website today, man, and I was looking at some of the other stuff that you have on there. One of the books that that caught my eye um, was the other comic that you have on there um, that I actually got a chance to read. And um, it was pretty good. It was a Troublemakers. And yep. uh, very, very well done. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, I know that you are an indie just like we are. Just tell us a little bit about you know, where you grew up and you know, what made you fall in love with comics? Okay. Well, I'm a, a native New Yorker from Long Island. Um, you know, grew up, you know, on the Island drew was into comics pretty much my entire life. Um, I can't remember exactly what year it was probably in the, in the early eighties, 
I can remember being homesick and my father coming home from, you know, working in the city, probably stopped at, you know, Penn Station and, and picked up some comic books from a newsstand back when you could still do that. Yeah. And he kind of came in and gave me some comic books so I could read while I was sick and I kind of got hooked. Went through a period where I was collecting everything I could get my hands on, was a fixture in the local comic shop. And that was still back in those days where you almost kind of had to keep it quiet. Like being a comics guy wasn't cool back then, you know, in like the late 80s, early 90s, you really had to kind of keep it silent, go to 7-Elevens in the middle of the night and, you know, pick up comic books from the spinner racks. But, yeah. um, you know, been into it for, for a really long time, kind of fell out of it for a little while, you know, family and job kind of got in the way and I picked it back up a, a few years later. I've always wanted to create my own comic book. It's something I've been itching to do for a really long time, but I always made excuses, right? Like I'm not good enough. It's too much going on. I don't have a story to tell all those excuses that we tell ourselves to keep from making that leap. Pandemic hit. And like a lot of people, I was kind of locked at home with not a lot to do. And I, I figured that, you know, I, I should definitely do something. And I decided to take my time and argue with people on the internet, which anyone will tell you is never a good idea. And it doesn't help anything. And I was getting frustrated and really started to get burned out and losing a lot of my time. And I made a promise to myself that every time I wanted to argue with someone, I was going to use that energy to invest in something creative. And I got into digital art, having been traditional my whole life. I really kind of threw myself into that. And I started making some progress. And I set a goal that I was get, going to get that book, The Troublemakers, into some local shops for free comic book day in 2021. That was the mark on the wall I wanted to set for myself. I was able to do it. Five local shops had that book in there on free comic book day. And once I knew I could get a book done on time to a, a relatively high standard, I wanted to continue doing it. The story of the troublemakers was great, but I felt it was a little bit derivative. And frankly, it wasn't the story that was in my heart to tell. So I transitioned to the new book, which is Accidental Renegades. It's crowdfunding now. So my story is kind of like a lot of other people, um, you know, something I always wanted to do. Finally, just kind of seized it and did it. And once I did it, I was a little bit more comfortable and, and definitely motivated to continue doing it. Because, I mean, you guys know as well as anyone, it's it's a ton of work, but it's it's incredibly rewarding. And it's yeah. actually a lot of fun. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that. I know you're an educator and I know you, you know, you, uh, you do, you do teach, but growing up and going back to when you were a kid, right? When Jeff was a kid, did you draw comics? Did you write comics? Was that something that you like ordered, like, or did you like kind of basically took some of the characters that you saw in Marvel and DC and wrote your own stories about them? Or were you always this creative kid who had his own It was, it, I guess, a combination of, of all those answers, right? I mean, I, I kind of drew my own characters. I, you know, would kind of create my own characters. You know, I had this, you know, idea in my head of you know what would the x-men be like in 10 years and it was called like decade x and it was like a lot of characters <laughs> just with like an else world type thing and it was yeah. obviously like i said it wasn't my story to tell you know i get asked all the time you know would you work for marvel or dc and and i don't know that that opportunity would ever present itself but my answer is always kind of the same is it would be great to get that level of, of notoriety to have that many eyeballs on my work that would be a dream come true yeah. but at the end of the day you're playing with someone else's toys right like mm -hmm. The X-Men are great. I love the X-Men. I grew up on them. They're, they're, they're my go-to team. I, I love the books. I, you know, I, I'm passionate about that. That's something that I relate to. I could write the greatest X-Men story in the world. At the end of the day, it's someone else's story that I'm telling. You know, If I'm an indie creator and I'm creating stories with my own characters, I'm playing with my own toys that at the end of the day, I get to take home with me too. So I've always kind of told those stories, um, probably just a bunch of panels and not really a cohesive comic book until recently. And you know, it's a challenge, but it's, it's, really really fun to to work through those challenges that you're going yeah. through it right you know one of the biggest challenges um that I, I i find i guess as an indie is trying to be original trying to stay right yeah you know, trying to be different from what's already out there i know you have a hero book and this is what what's what's being crowdfunded how did you kind of try to steer away from maybe sounding too much like something that's already out there like 
what were some of the things that you did to kind of be like, all right, let me stand out a little bit. Let me be a little, little mm -hmm. different. That's a great question because there's that saying that nothing you do is ever going to be completely original, right. but nothing you do is ever going to be completely unoriginal, right? So it's mm -hmm. kind of like putting a spin on something that already exists. And the spin that I think really falls on Accidental Renegades is that many of your stories, whether it's Western comics or, or shonen style manga, in many of those plots, the characters are trying to be heroes, right? Either it's the hero's journey. How do they get where they're going? They, they, they seek that out. They want to be the hero. They want to save the world. They want to be, you know, the number one hero, the pirate king, whatever. Accidental Renegades, I think, kind of inverts that trope a little bit because this is a group of people that have power kind of thrust on them and notoriety given to them, but they've never sought it out. And more importantly, they don't want it. So I think in a lot of ways, it's more realistic. And, and you've probably seen in your life, too, where people are given responsibility they never asked for. And now all of a sudden they have all these responsibilities thrust on them and they have to figure out how to make it happen, whether it's a, a promotion, a relationship, a child, whatever it is that that kind of throws you for a loop. Now, all of a sudden, you have a series of responsibilities and, and requirements that you didn't necessarily know, but you're being asked to kind of, you know, rise to that occasion. And then the question becomes, will these characters rise to that occasion or will they fail in trying to do so? And I think a lot of people can find that relatable because I think all of us at one point of our lives have been in just a little bit over our heads on something. And we're trying to make the best of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's your walk us through your process, um, you know, from start to finish? How do you approach your, your, your project? a day what do you start with first well you know like you i kind of do everything myself um you know the writing the the plotting the drawing the lettering the the you know i do some color but you know the, the screen tones and the gray tones so you know i'm not sure what your process is but mine is really free-flowing it tends to be a lot of improvisation because i can come back and i don't have to get something to a collaborator i can just figure out how i'm going to do page five later but right now i'm working on page seven you know i have that flexibility but for me, it, it generally works where I start with figuring out the beats for each page. So on each page, it'll say, okay, on this page, there's an explosion and, you know, um, you know, someone's body is, you know, on the ground. I know that those are the beats that have to happen on that page. Then I'll go to the next page, the next page, and just hit the, the one over the world larger elements for each page. That allows me to make sure that I've got the full page spreads where they need to be, that the page turns are on the odd number pages so that it opens up properly you know, just to make sure that the physical setup of the book, because there's no ads, so I need to make sure that it's set up properly for that. Once that's done, then I can start to get in a little bit more detail with plot, with um, uh, dialogue, with panel designs. And that tends to almost, I kind of, I say, you know, if the first part is a straight line, the second part where I'm doing that is almost a loop because I'll keep coming back around. And if something doesn't work, I'll come back around. Just the other day, I was working on a page in Accidental Renegades and I realized that, it, you know, the panel, the way it's designed doesn't necessarily work right vertical. So I was able to change it to horizontal, you know, and I'm able to do that because I kind of am going through the process with a little bit more flexibility from start to finish. If I'm working with a collaborator, I have the problem of I need to get them a full script or I need to get a full script. And I think that limits a lot of the, the back and forth. And I've listened to you know some of your interviews where, you know, people work with with artists in other countries where there might be a language barrier on top of everything else. And I feel like, you know, that puts with it different challenges on collaboration that I don't necessarily have to, to worry about. At the same time, though, when you're doing everything yourself, you sometimes miss, you know, miss your own mistakes because you're just so closely related to it. So yeah. it kind of helps to have a, a collaborator, too. Right. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that you, you decided um, to uh, try your hand at digital and switch over what was the influence behind that? Uh, for me, largely speed, to be completely honest. Um, 
I tend to a lot of times figure out the the um, the way the art's going to look on the page. You know, I, I do thumbnails, I do roughs, but I really start to get into detail on the page itself. And I tend to, you know, be a little bit of a perfectionist. Um, sometimes there's things that just don't look right. Uh, sometimes it's scale, perspective, whatever. So I do erase a lot. When you're erasing a lot on paper, eventually the paper starts to get degraded and, you know, the ink doesn't sit right and the pencil doesn't come away. And what it does to me is it, it makes me afraid in some cases of putting down those lines. And, you know, you talk about those artists that have a piece of paper and they're afraid to put a line down because, you know, you don't want to screw it up. Digitally, I can get as creative as I want. I can experiment because if I screw it up, I just undo. Yeah. And what I find is for me personally, from a creative perspective, it keeps things loose, keeps things fresh and allows me to take some chances that I'm not that I'm, I'm not afraid to take, but I'm reluctant to take on, you know, a two dollar piece of Bristol, whereas digitally try whatever like splatter some ink on that shit let's see how it works and if it doesn't look right that's okay I just literally hit the back arrow and just like that i'm out so i can try so many things and i can experiment and i can get more creative and i find that it allows me to work better and also i think i think to work faster because you know erasing can be a pain but when you literally are, are one you know tap of a you know a stylus away it really does save on time and time is the one thing that i never have enough of you had you know, options. You had options to go with Photoshop or Clip Studio. Why Clip Studio over Photoshop? Uh, honestly, um, I had no experience with either one. Um, I did a little bit of research on it. Clip Studio seemed like it offered more. Um, I just really had never worked. And I mean, when I say never, I mean, I'd never worked digitally before. Um, it, there was a definite learning curve. And I kind of, I've you know said this to, to people before, where it's almost kind of like you're an experienced driver and they give you the keys to a really, really good car. Like, you'll know how to get it from point A to point B, but you're not going to be able to make that car do all the things it should do. That's kind of like how I felt the first time I you know, worked on you know, the Troublemakers digitally was I had it. It was it was pretty good. But now after going over and over and doing it more and more, I'm like, oh, you know, it, it can do this. I can also do this. I can fix this. And I kind of look back at some of my processes before. And again, it's like, you know, I was a new driver and I didn't know, you know how to downshift. Well, now I know. And now I'm driving so much better because I just had more experience. Photoshop or Clip Studio made no difference because I didn't have either one before. I looked into Clip Studio. It seemed like a really good deal. Um, some YouTube videos made it sound like it was a good feature. And I think that's what you use too. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm running Clip Studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. I, it's, I, the only thing I hate about it is, you know, I have so many questions that, like, I can't ask someone. Like, I wish there was, like, a tutor or something where I could just be like, hey, come here. Like, I wish it was the days where you're, like, you're the, this, the whole studio days where, like, you were just in a studio with a bunch of other artists. Yeah. Where I'd yeah. be like, hey, man, how do I make this thing work? Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't figure out. And it just – it it's fun, but at the same time, it's like, man, I know I can do more. I just don't know how, what series. There's of a lot of clip studio tutorials on YouTube and a lot of yeah. artists that just, and that's where I go to because I'm, yeah. you know, I've only been using it for a couple of months now and, uh, but I'm in love with it. It's like the, yeah. the best thing that's ever happened to me. And, um, but you know, you, I, you know, I, I uncover so many things, different things yeah. every day. You know, where, where I think, where I think Photoshop lost a lot of people was in their pricing. Like when mm -hmm. you have to pay for a subscription, for a program, I think it's going to lose a lot of people because you want to just pay for it, whether it's for the, you know, just give me the program. Let me just work on it. I don't want to have to right. pay every month. And I think that right. that's where I think Photoshop lost, lost a lot of people. And what yeah, and I, studio more appealing is that it was so affordable that I was able to get yeah. the PC version and the Mac right, version right. because I work off of both machines mm -hmm. and I don't lose anything off of the two. Yeah. I have the same filters, the same fonts. That's you know what I mean. I don't lose anything. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I know, but, I know Clip Studio is changing their business model a little bit. And just recently they announced, I don't know if you guys heard this, where basically they're no longer offering the, the, um, the software updates for free. I mean, that's software. Like you'll still be able to get software updates like patches and stuff like that. But you know, everyone's while they're like, all right, here's this free new brushes, new tools, okay, new right. liquify. Like that is no longer being offered for free. Mm -hmm. So you can either upgrade to pay for the upgrade, but if you don't, whatever version you're running right now will, will still work. So it's kind of going off of like the old software model. And I know a lot right. of people complain about it, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's part of the problem is like you said, Clip Studio just offered so much that they're still offering a tremendous amount. They're just not going to be offering as much. Oh, they, so, did the, they did the dealer move on the street. Yeah, kind of sort of, yeah, 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 and yeah, after. yeah, yeah. Right, so <laughs> free, baby. But, right. But, and Jeff, I, I definitely want to talk a little bit about your, your Kickstarter. But before, I, before we go there, um, I just have one more question about, we were talking about process, and, and you mentioned that you're a perfectionist, right? Now, I know as an indie, we can always keep working on our, on, on our books and keep changing them. When is enough enough? Do you have a point where you say, okay, I can't keep working on this book because it's got to go. Um, I'm going to send it out. Like, when do you when do you decide, okay, that's enough. I have to move on from this. I can't keep working on it. Yeah. So, you know, there's two things I tend to get kind of, kind of uh, be a junkie about, right? One is process. Like, I love to see people's processes. I love to see behind the curtain and how they work. The other is kind of like the, the philosophy of, of creating. And one of my philosophies is, Crowdfunding comics, whether it's Kickstarter, Indiegogo, I think in a lot of ways can can reinforce some bad habits because creators are able to make these really, really wide windows of creation. So if I have like a book that I'm crowdfunding right now, but I, I promise you it's going to get to you in January. Well, that gives me a really long time to work on. It. You can kind of fall into some bad habits. One thing I learned doing the book for Free Comic Day is there is a mark on the on the calendar that if you don't get the book done by that day, it is not going to get in the stores in time for Free Comic Book Day. And, you know, I kind of looked at it as, a, a you know, something that really kind of energized me because free comic book day is happening on this day, no matter what. If my books show up a day later, it doesn't matter if they're the best books that anyone's ever seen. They're not going to be seen on free comic book day. Right. So that kind of energized me. And, and to be straight up, there's a couple panels in Troublemakers that I look at, right? I can't really even look at them because I'm like, God damn, man, I just <laughs> I just didn't get it. I couldn't get it in time. I wish I had just, you know, one more day. I could have made that panel look so much better. But in order to do that, now you're you're running the risk of sacrificing the deadline. And I, I've read interviews with creators. And I've seen interviews with, with, you know, big time creators. And they all said that, you know, you have to accept that perfect is the enemy of good. And sometimes things just need to be good. Like you have to get it into the reader's hands. You're also spending six hours working on a panel that someone may look at for 10 seconds. So like you kind of have to put that perspective in there, too. And then I guess the last thing is I, I ran an interview with one of the Kuberts where he had mentioned that, you know, if you do a panel or a page and it just isn't kind of what you want, that's okay. Because if you're in this game for the long haul, you're going to get another chance next month to fix it. So, you know, don't become so beholden to what you're doing right now that it ends up, you end up missing what you're supposed to be missing because you're trying to make something perfect because you're probably never going to get there. And right. that's something I definitely learned with troublemakers because I had to. And it's kind of a lesson I brought with me to the crowdfunding is I want to stay on a, you know, a panel a day schedule. If I can do that, I should be able to get everything done on time. Um, you know, if I'm just not feeling it on the art that day, then maybe I'll go back and I'll work on some lettering or some, you know, screen tones or something like that. So I have, again, the flexibility to do that. But if you don't set deadlines, if you don't have some sort of a, a schedule, you seriously will run the risk of, of either spending all your time on one page or not getting something done to standard because you're getting it done late. Right. Yeah. No, I agree a hundred percent, man. Deadlines are so important. And, yeah. and, and we, 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 
we don't look at that. We, we don't take that into consideration. Because yeah. you're right. I mean, it's never going to get done. Dude, if you keep working on that book, it's never going to get out there. And Oh, no. And that'll be a great page. But right. what about the other, you know, 31 right. of them or whatever? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nobody will see them. And, exactly. And, you know, that, that's the problem with it. But, but yeah, so so Renegades, man, like that's that's an accidental Renegades. Great title. Um, where did the idea come from? I know, I know. like I said, you, you're a big, you know, uh, you like the X-Men and stuff like that, but where, where did the idea spawn? How did it actually come well, about? Well, you know, I feel like, like a lot of ideas, this one's kind of been gestating for a while. You know, it's gone through a couple iterations and the way it looked right now is definitely not the way it looked when it started. Um, but it kind of, you know, went through some growth as, as personally I went through growth. And I guess one way that I describe it is it's kind of a, a voice of like a lot of the frustration that I feel just, you know, turning on the news and looking around what, you know, my neighbors and friends and family and people around the country are, are dealing with, you know, like, these sorts of things kind of elicit a, a, a emotion in me. And I've kind of used the accidental renegades as a way to, to kind of express some of that. So one of the themes that tends to find itself run through all my work is that, is that people who have authority, people who have power should be using that to the betterment of, you know, should be taking care of the people they're entitled to serve. Um, that's something that that's important to me. And if those individuals are not, if they're abusing that authority, if they're abusing that power, then someone needs to stand up to them. And in the troublemakers, it was obviously the troublemakers. And in the accidental renegades, it kind of falls unintentionally onto the team of you know the renegades. Now, that kind of comes from from my frustration. And the book addresses some you know some real world things: diversity, equality, um, you know, people being treated fairly, the treatment of veterans, um, you know, the role of the media, the role of government, those sorts of things. That I think, regardless of whether you sit on the left or right of the political spectrum. You probably are frustrated with all those things, maybe for different reasons, but you definitely feel some frustration. And I think this book will resonate with you regardless of your belief, because I think, you know, if it's done correctly, either side of the spectrum can see a little bit of themselves in these characters. Roger that. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, you decided this is your first campaign, right? And you saw the um, you went outside and you partnered with Jeff. Um for this campaign, uh, how did that happen? Well, I, I was kind of, you know, trying to, uh, so I'm a big fan of, you know, I know what I don't know, but at the same time, there's lots of things I don't know and I don't know that I don't know them. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, there's, uh, there's so much that I'm aware that I was, you know, unaware of, but there's always these things that come up that you can't see coming. So I had made sure one of the things I wanted to do was kind of, you know, grow, grow my tribe. You know, I have a lot of people who support me, but I wanted to grow that number of people in the independent comics community because I'm fairly new to that group. And I'd reached out to some people and I was like, well, you know, I got to get on some interviews. I got to talk to some people. I have to spread the word. You know, this is important. And I kind of, you know, put out there in social media, like, how do I do this? And someone pointed me to, to Jeff and he's been extremely helpful in helping me, you know, spread the word and offering some advice. I have looked at a lot of other campaigns before I started my own. I've backed numerous campaigns. And before I really set up my Kickstarter, I went and I looked at uh, the ones that really kind of impressed me, saw what they were doing and how they set things up and, you know, took a lot of advice. Some of it didn't really apply to my book, so I kind of didn't use it or at least didn't use it on the first one. But being able to kind of lean on people who who know what they're doing has been invaluable. And I guess the last thing I'll say about that is in all the careers and all the, the professional rooms I've sat in in my life, none of them have been so supportive as the independent comics world where people who are relatively, I mean, if you want to say they're, they're kind of competitors, right? We're all kind of competing for the same attention from the same sets of, of fans, right? But still supporting one another, still, still, you know, boosting one another's signal, pointing each other in the right direction. 
and you know, I just paid it forward the other day where, you know, a creator was like, Hey, I'm trying to get it, you know, in touch with some podcasters. I was like, Hey, this is who you need to talk to. You know, he hooked me up. Someone gave me his name. I'll give you his name. You know, we got to support each other. And that is refreshing because it's something I have not seen a lot in, you know, any other career I've had that many people who are all working towards the same end, but propping each other up along the way. Fantastic. Fantastic. So what can people exp um, uh, expect? What are you offering on your campaign on your Kickstarter? Okay. Well, uh, I've got a, a couple tiers and the good news is that the Kickstarter is, you know, fully funded. It's about 162% right now. Um, so, so that's, you know, awesome. It, I still have to manage it for about another three weeks, but there's a little less pressure on that now, which is definitely a relief. Um, the, the campaign tiers that I have right now is it starts with a digital tier. That's pretty self-explanatory. It's a right. you know digital copy of issue one and your name printed in the appreciation page of the book. Uh, one thing that I, I was pretty adamant about, and I've seen other Kickstarters where you have to get to a certain tier in order to get in the appreciation page, and that's fine. Like that's how people want to manage their Kickstarter, and they you know it's their business to manage it the way they want. But the way I look at it is whether you give me you know a hundred dollars or seven dollars, you're coming out of your pocket to support me, and I appreciate that. So you know you'll get thanked right there with everyone else. I know you know not everyone can support everything to the fullest. I mean, look, there are books that I would love to buy, like the high-end $100 package, but it just ain't happening this month. Right. You know, I'm, I'm supporting this book and another book and another book, so I got to kind of scale it back. I get that. And I'm certainly never going to hold that against anyone. So regardless of what tier, your name is getting put in the book. So that's the first one. The uh, second tier is a, a physical copy of the book, a digital copy of the book, and your name in the appreciation page. Um, the next tier is the next highest. It's the same thing as the previous tiers, digital, physical appreciation. And you also get a individual sketch of one of the characters from the book that I'll draw. Um, and then I believe that's the last individual tier because we had another one that I, I closed. And then there's the retailer tier, uh, which I just opened a, a few weeks ago. I've kind of farmed it out to some local comic shops and we'll see if any of them take advantage of it, which is just a about 50% off the cover price, 10 books, a uh, limited print with that store's logo on the print so they can kind of you know sell that as well and hoping that that some uh, some retailers take advantage of that as well so i have those tiers again first kickstarter i didn't want to get you know the 15 20 tiers six seven covers i just don't i don't have that it's my first kickstarter i want to make it manageable i want to be able to to deliver on what i'm promising and i think under promising and over delivering especially on the first one is kind of the way to go Wow. Um, I, I had a tier that actually was a the highest tier. It was all the things from the other tiers and you got yourself or your logo drawn into the book. I call that the, the uh, commercial renegade. It was easy to do in that this book has a lot of crowd scenes, a lot of cityscapes. So there's a lot of opportunities to put individuals in. And I really underestimated how popular that tier was going to be. <laughs> I, I almost hit my funding goal just on that tier. It was like a yeah. $1,500 goal. I yeah. think it was like $1,300 just in that tier. Yeah, there were like 27 backers on that thing, man. Yeah, but, you know, I started looking at it. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I mean, great problem to have. I'm like, but this is supposed to be kind of like an alien world. There'll be a bunch of middle-aged white dudes in this book. Like, <laughs> I got to figure out how to fix it. And this is going to start taking away from the story, right? I'm like, man, I, like, I mean... And I love her to death, but like my best friend growing up, like his mom bought that tier. I'm like, mm. man, I'm like, I, this is really going to start to become a detractor. And, and you know, <laughs> Ms. Dylan, I love you and you're the best. But, you know, I got a story to tell here. So, you know, I kind of, again, this is one of those, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I did some research like, you know, can you close down a tier? And it's like, yep, you absolutely can. So I put a deadline on it by the 1st of August. That That's when that tier ends. 
And I've had people come to me after and be like, oh, man, I can't believe I didn't know that it was going to end. I would have took advantage of that. That's so funny. I mean, two of those people is 100 bucks. Like, that's that's not nothing. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I, I kind of if I have any theme and, you know, as a professional, it's, you know, everything is in service to the story. So, like, no matter how much I love a, a quote or a, a picture, if it doesn't fit the story, it's, it's kind of got to go. And I didn't want my, you know greediness for more money to take away from the quality of the story because at the end of the day the book is already funded you know everything after this is <clears> stretch goals yeah. and i want to be able to give the read i want the read to open and be like man that this is cool as shit and it's not like anything i've ever seen and i'm really glad i put my money on this and i'm looking forward to issue two so that's what i'm, I'm willing to do that's the goal and that's that's what every day is kind of in service to but you know what jeff i'll say this like listen it's a likeness so it's just a likeness so you can yeah. put you could put, you know, stuff on their on their heads. They're actors at this point. They would it just go into makeup and they would just put like a little mask on them, and it's over. That, that, it's that's it's like you were reading my mind. I'm like, you know what? Some of these guys are getting gills. Whether they want it, that's what I'm saying. Not, you know? That's what I'm like, saying. That's it. Like, that's I know, you know, I can explain makeup. it to my boys. You know, I can be like, hey man, look, I, I kind of was in a bind. I, I had to give you, I had to give you a tail and horns, man. There's no, and they'd probably be cool with it, but I don't I know. Everyone, I think that'll be fun. Yeah. I think that'll be. Fun. I think it would actually be kind of cool too. Now yeah, probably be better than the original idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be so fun. As far as the logos and stuff like that in the cityscapes, if you have cityscapes, I'm sure you would like put like graffiti on the walls or something. That'd yeah, be cool. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the stretch goals? Uh, well, we hit the first stretch goal. The first stretch goal was basically uh, higher quality printing, um, foil cover. You know, I'm a child of the '90s. I love a good foil cover. Yeah. Um, or a child of the '70s, but I grew up reading comics in the '90s, so I love a good foil cover if you can get it. Uh, higher quality printing. The second stretch goal it comes at about uh, I want to say what 2,500. And that is stickers. So stretch goal and stickers. And then, you know, after that, we'll look at, at doing um, trading cards. Kind of a cool idea I've seen other people do. And I really, I would love to take advantage of it, even if not with this one, maybe the next campaign, is it's a lot of characters, a lot of really cool powers and a lot of really cool, you know, biographies and background. I think having individual trading cards for some of these characters would be kind of a cool thing to have. Again, kind of growing up on, on some of the, you know, the Fleer X-Men cards and those sorts of things those were really cool. And to be able to kind of create those for these characters and sell them or hand them out or give them as a stretch goal would be, I think, I think a pretty awesome opportunity. That's awesome. That's awesome. Bob. I love it, man. I, lo I love the fact that you have, you know, this, this campaign that is out, you have obviously other things that you're working on. Um, I would think that comics original sounds like you're going to have a whole universe that you're building. Yeah. And we'd love to have you come back and just talk a little bit more about that. Absolutely. You know, anytime, anytime. Yeah. This has been really fun, man. I enjoyed it. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. And again, congratulations on the successful launch of your first campaign. Uh, it's one of the hardest things to do when you're coming out the gate and uh, you seem to have nailed it. Number one, you had the right formula. You had the right mindset. You understood um, that it takes a village um, and um, you're reaping the benefits of, of your efforts. So congratulations. No, I appreciate it. Thank you guys too. And you guys are killing it too. So keep it up. Thanks, Thanks buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you watching the show, man. That that means a lot to us. That means a no, lot no. Happy to, happy to, you know, it's it's refreshing you know there's like there's different levels of indie creators there's different levels of of you know podcasts and you guys are awesome so i appreciate it i appreciate it man. thank you brother you know, good luck with it man i can't wait listen this this won't air until the ninth so you you know these will be like last few days for people to check it out sure um but i'm sure by the time this airs you're gonna be you know you're gonna be way more than what we showed on the screen awesome accidental yeah. renegades on kickstarter go ahead That's and check right. it out it'll be there that's feel free right. to throw some money on it it'll be cool there you go brother. That's it, man. That's it. Thank All you right, so much, awesome. Jeff. Peace. Thank you, Thank guys. You, Appreciate it. All right. So that was Jeff. Oh, again, fantastic. Um, great backstory. Um, great content. Um, fantastic 
uh, you know, first, this is exactly what we talked about offline. So we, you know, George, you and I have a lot of conversations about uh, all the things that um, Indies failed to do. Um, he didn't make those mistakes. You know, you know, we can name a dozen Kickstarters that they launched it and they missed 20 steps along the way. And uh, he was smart enough to figure out that, um, you know, he needed to partner with people who knew what they were doing and um, um, in order to navigate in, in these, you know, these unpredictable waters. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, and I'll tell you this, the, the thing that I took away from Jeff and big shout out to him, man, but I'm very happy for, for his success in this campaign. But what I really liked about, about what he said was he was, he admitted mistakes. Yep. He was like, you know what? It was a 60. I, I did it 60 days. Probably never, we'll, we'll never do it again. Boom. Mistake. He, you know, he, he found the mistake, addressed it, not doing it again. I'm moving on from that. Right. Yeah. He talked about even in his other book, you know, the troublemakers, there are things in there that I probably would, you know, I would change and I would do different. And there, it's almost, there, yeah, there's things constantly learning. He's yeah. Constantly there's, there's things in the books. I'm like, oh, I don't like that's, that angle. That's what, that's what I'm saying. And willing to, to admit the fact that there is a mistake because mm -hmm. if you don't if you don't admit to yourself that you made a mistake you're never going to change it because you think you're right you think you did everything correct That's so right. when you're admitting that mistake it means that it's going to change and and I, and I love that attitude he's got the right attitude i mean you know this is this is a, a gentleman who's who like he grew up like just like us you know reading comics in the 90s um, discipline is, it looks like it's a big, big, uh, big thing. And I wanted to ask him more about, you know, obviously he, he's, a, he's a teacher, he's a veteran. So thank you so much for your services. Uh, Jeff, we didn't, we didn't get into much of that, but okay, you know, 30 yeah. minutes is never long enough. Never long. Um, but we'll definitely have him back and, and we'll see, you know, where, where, where the universe that he's creating is going. And hopefully you guys jump on board and, you know, check it out, check yeah. out the campaign. I mean, he's not, he's, he understands, yeah, he understands the importance of, um, of accountability, uh, self-accountability, you know, um, holding himself to a standard uh, in order to be able to, and it ties into, you know, when you're trying to price yourself, right? It's like, you know, um, you got to ask yourself, would I want to buy this, right? You know, it was like, that's one of those things when you want to price your work, what I want to buy. And I think he holds himself to a high standard. So he wants to make sure that he gives that um, the best of his ability at the time that he created his project that he's given it to the consumer. So yeah, uh, congratulations, you know, another cool indie, another cool story. Um, you know, really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, yeah. thank you to um, our sponsors of this episode, Daphne Lage and uh, Michael San Martino of Tech the Gods. Um, you know, again, uh, Eagle Raven is on Kickstarter right now. Link is also in the summary. And uh, Michael San Martino, you can get Tech the Gods on techthegods.com. Link is also in the summary. Yeah, and the link for this campaign is also in the summary. So there's a lot of links. Yeah, no, and and it, we didn't give him a chance to uh, give us his uh, his, uh, his the socials and the pitch. The pitch. But go to zcomicsoriginal.com and then just search zcomicsoriginal on IG, Twitter, and Facebook, and you're gonna find him with the same name, yeah. zcomicsoriginal. The so links will be in the summary easy. as well. Yeah, and those links um, are going to be there as well. Yeah, they're, they're down there, so check it out. And, uh, you know, another good episode. Again, Excellent. if you haven't done so already, guys, um, where's that dang button? I got to – where's Herb? I miss Herb. Um, yeah, you should hire him back, bro. I, I know. Think he's, you know, he's learned his lesson. 
Yeah, I think he's tired of selling those hot dogs. But uh, yeah, if you haven't done so already, <laughs> sign up, uh, subscribe, hit that like button, uh, give us a thumbs up, let us know what you think, leave a comment below, help the algorithms help us grow. Um, right. And uh, and don't forget, sign up for this Alien in My Toilet launching on Kickstarter September 20th in 11 days. 11 days from now. What the Eleven bloody days. hell? 11 Crazy. days, baby. It's running. It's running, baby. Ooh. Let's do this. Crazy. So with that said, I'm Sam the Crazy Man, Vera. George the Dream of Medina. Peace. And we are out. Crazy. 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 Say my name, say my name. Right? Oh, <laughs> this is what you were thinking? Oh, my God. He was grabbing. He You're listening to Catch the Craze. You're listening to Catch the Craze. You are listening to Catch the Craze. Catch the Craze. You're listening to Catch the Craze.